Hi there, and welcome back to another exciting episode on the Well Workplaces podcast with me, your host, Tom Bosner. Today, we've got a really special episode lined up to help celebrate and kick off Feb Fast. And today I'm speaking with Catherine Elliott, who's a former guest from last year, who is well known as Australia's leading specialist alcohol and binge drinking coach for high functioning professionals. Her expertise and comments regularly appear in lifestyle, health, business, and women's media nationally. She's also one of two certified senior This Naked Mind specialist alcohol coaches in Australia and has been living alcohol free since July 1, 2019. And as a former binge drinker for over 30 years, Catherine coaches from lived experience and believes vulnerability and sharing our own stories is one of the most powerful tools in healing and finding a more balanced relationship with alcohol. Super excited to hear from Catherine today. Let's get into the show. G'day, Catherine. Welcome back to the Well Workplaces podcast. How are you going? I'm well, Tom. It's great to be back in uh, 2024. A new year and a lot of new um, goals and resolutions for people. And I think uh, what we're just just saying off air, I guess, is that the Christmas, New Year, and then into that long January, I've recently only come back to work. I've had probably the longest break I've ever had off work, which has been lovely, but um, certainly through the Christmas, the end of work before that Christmas, New Year's and a long January with lots of nice little trips um, up to Sydney and weddings and all these type of things. The main thing that was, I guess, consistent with all of those big events was um, the exposure, if you like, to alcohol and um, coming into February as it is now, we're looking ahead towards FebFast. And I think I told you on the last podcast, because we met last year and had our most listened to episode ever. Um, I was talking about how good FebFast was for me. So I'm doing it again with some of my colleagues and um, you'd be pleased to know that from FebFast last year, um, a few of my other colleagues that did it have pretty much been like drinking less or obviously drinking less overall and opting for no alcohol content uh, a lot of the time in, in our drinks. Um, but through Christmas and New Year's and it just, the exposure to booze was just so consistent that it's sort of like, I don't mean to say I'm like getting peer pressured, but I, yeah, I think I probably was being peer pressured into, oh, do you want a, want a champagne? It's Christmas. Or do you want a New Year's? Let's have a beer. So, um, yeah, coming into Feb fast, I think I need some words of wisdom. Um, and I think some of our listeners who might be considering less alcohol or maybe considering FebFast might benefit from another uh, another uh, pep talk from you perhaps or a, a bit more info around how we can uh, how we can do this. But yeah, Catherine, t- just remind me again. So you've been alcohol-free since 2019? Yeah. So I had yeah. my last drink on the 30th of June, 2019. So I will be coming up to five years on the 1st of July this year, which is very exciting. Yeah. Fantastic. And it might be, uh, it'd be great um, for you to wake up New Year's Day with the clearest head, um, you know, like clear thinking. I imagine that would be a lot of a contrast to a lot of other people as they roll into a new year. Um, What did you do on New Year's Day, for example? Oh, I'm so glad you've asked me this question because New Year's Day for me was absolutely beautiful. I was sort of managing teenagers at um, 
down the coast. And so I was in bed early and then put my alarm on for about 1.30 to 2am just to make sure that, you know, children were home and okay because we had some friends, kids as well. And then at 5.30, I put my alarm on and I went and saw the sunrise uh, at the back beach down on the Mornington Peninsula and it was absolutely magical. And I really did feel so grateful for my alcohol-free life because there are many New Year's Eve's in the past when I have woken up feeling absolutely hideous and Mm. having to clean up after, you know, big parties. So Mm. yeah, it's a stark contrast. And, um, I then went to walk down along the Sorrento front beach and there were just bottles and rubbish Mm. unbelievable all over the beach and I was like oh wow yeah 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 this it's when you see awesome. it's when you see something like that that you realize um how bigger a problem it is in Australia the binge drinking just just how I guess booze centric we are when it comes to I guess any events um I'm assuming the other parts of the world are the same but I'd imagine Australia is maybe one of the worst in the world would that be fair yes yep it, it it's very fair. I mean, I think there are certain surveys that have Australia as the drunkest nation in the world, but we're always in the top sort of, yeah, three or four. I mean, the UK is pretty high up there too. Um, and I think Germany maybe as well. So we are a nation that is very well known for its drinking and our alcohol centric culture. Uh, I guess is is something that is changing slowly and the ships are slow, but a lot of the change is really coming from uh, the younger generations. Uh, They're starting to, I guess, be more sober curious. And with that, you know, term, it's really about not having a problem with drinking, but understanding that, you know, alcohol may be impacting our health, our mental health, our physical health. And if you're into health and you're wanting to be that best version of yourself and reach your potential, then having, you know, time away from drinking, drinking less, uh, only drinking very sporadically becomes a priority for a lot of people. Yeah. And there's no, no more indicator of that for me, Catherine was, I was in the supermarket, um, up in Sydney cause I had a wedding up there, which was was great fun and um yeah i saw in the the one of the aisles all the no no alcohol type drinks there was all sorts of things in there and i just i thought of you straight away because it was pretty much half the half the aisle was was in this almost non no alcohol type um drinks and i thought oh these these are some really good options because i knew that i was going into feb fast and i felt like i needed um Feb fast, to be honest, because I think after a couple of, I had a couple of days close together where I was drinking, not heavily, but just enough to feel not great the next day. And after two days of it, I, um, yeah, my, my mood was horrible. <laughs> like I was just, just grumpy. I wasn't my best, best mm. self. I wasn't a great, I didn't feel great with, um, as in like, I didn't feel like a great parent, those types of things. And then I get the guilts <laughs> of of the whole thing. It's a whole cycle for me. Um, and I just thought, gee, I just need to, just need to, uh, get back into some of those great habits that I had 
last year, probably for the for the most of last year, um, with reducing alcohol and also drinking no no or low alcohol drinks um, when I had the opportunity. So, you know, going into a new year, I think a lot of people have new goals, of course, and one of those might be around yeah healthier habits. Um, yeah. Tell me about Feb Fast and like because well, I, I, I've just kind of got onto this last year as a I saw it and I was like, I need to do this. Um, yeah. What, what's your experience and your client experience with, with FebFast? What do you think it's so good for people? So I think any time away from drinking is, is, is very beneficial. Whoever you are, whether you think you've got an issue with drinking or not, it's absolutely great to give our bodies and brains a break from using what is, you know, in simplest terms, a drug and a poison that we're putting into our bodies all the time. And so I have a lot of clients that will do a 30-day break. And one of the things that I always say that's really important is you need to find an emotion-based goal rather than a behavioural-based goal. So if you're just concentrating on, I'm not drinking for 30 days, you're actually not really doing any kind of self-inquiry about changing your behavior or even focusing on the benefits that you might get from having 30 days away from drinking and that it's really important to be open and curious to being present in what that might offer you. Often I'll have people talk about a month off and they'll say, I'm not going to go out this month. I'm just going to lay low. Um, I can't go out because I don't want my friends to rib me. I don't want to be around alcohol. And what I would say to that is challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to get out there socially and experience connections with, with friends. Go into pubs and see what that feels like when you're not drinking. Yes, it might feel uncomfortable, but it also can be quite empowering in terms of you will feel a little bit of social anxiety initially, but going with a plan, going with knowing what type of drink you're going to order. There's lots of pubs now that generally will have a zero alcohol beer and um, see how you go. Often what will happen is the first 10 or 15 minutes might feel a little bit uncomfortable and then you're there, you're there to catch up with friends and have great connections. And I found one of the things that has been really great for me since I've stopped drinking is I have much more present conversations and of course you remember them all as well yeah yeah that's a big upside right instead of just talking everyone talking at each other and then they leave um you know oh great night I can't remember a thing I think as well what I have noticed and I've done this before is if you do enter a group and it's like you know the maybe it's at a house or something oh do you want to drink do you want a champagne? Do you want a this? Oh no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'll just have a soda water. I've, I've brought my own, uh, no alcohol beers. The first, this is maybe that first 15 minutes. People are like, oh, okay, what are you? Oh, what, why are you doing that? Or they probably don't ask you like that. But there is a, there is a question of, you know, why? How would you suggest people navigate that one? I mean, it's not, not that you have to defend yourself from poisoning yourself, but like. You know, what are you, what totally. would be your advice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this is a really great question. And we have this, um, we have this uh, interesting discussion in the, the coaching space around how alcohol is the only drug that you have to kind of justify 
not having. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, and isn't it? It, it? It really is. And, and one of the things that holds a lot of people back from even uh, having a break from drinking is they do really worry about what their friends or family or work colleagues will say. And one of the strategies that I will work on with clients is is actually developing positive communication around what your messaging is around that. And so if someone asks you, do you want a drink? Rather than saying, no, I'm not drinking. Yes, I'd love a drink. I'm, I'm driving. I'll have a whatever. Or yes, I'd love a drink. I'm actually on a bit of a health kick at the moment uh, yep. and I'd love a whatever. So it's positive rather than you sort of appearing like, oh, I'm not drinking, I'm not feeling good. Uh, yeah. And I think people use that and find that works works really well. So that would be my one tip there when you're dealing yeah. with that. I like that. I think, the yeah, the opposite would be, oh, I'm not drinking because, you know, uh, and you don't sound, firstly, you don't sound confident um, if you start answering in, in that way. And then people will probably try and um, twist. Maybe if you've, it's, mate, they might try and twist your arm. Are you sure? Are you sure? Like, <laughs> go on, have one. Just have one. You'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Stop tomorrow. You know all of that. Um, yeah. And then we find ourselves, you know, feeling quite under pressure and trying to defend ourselves. Whereas if we are presenting confident and empowered with our decision and our choice, the people around us kind of are more accepting of it and go, oh, okay. Yeah. And then they might even ask you some questions about, oh, so, you know, what are you doing and how are you feeling? And, and then, you know, it, it goes down, um, another tact. So yeah, I really yeah. think that that mindset and the way that you approach it is really important. I think perhaps where FebFast is great is it gives a, by even just the word, people then know that's a structured labeled thing, not that you need a labeled thing, but maybe for people that are, have never done this before and they want to try it, but they're perhaps a bit anxious about how that might be perceived or, or whatever, or getting peer pressured at least if you've got a label behind it, maybe that, that is a, a very baby entry steps into, um, into this world of less alcohol or no alcohol. I think as well, I've found that, yeah, by com I've probably used that more confident approach of, um, yeah, I'm doing, doing this for my, for health. Uh, it's funny because I feel like the people that are drinking, then they stop, they start drinking, drinking less. And then they start asking you questions. Oh, um, tell me about, in, yeah, I remember last year it was like, yeah, my brain is amazing. I feel great in the morning and the, I'm like sort of selling the benefits and then it's kind of the. Um, the curiosity from them like is, is peaking and then they're, they're more interested. Oh, maybe like, maybe I'll give it a go. Kind of, you can kind of almost influence people in the opposite way uh, for a positive thing. Cause I think most people want, everyone wants to be healthier. Um, you know, everyone will sign up to a gym or maybe have physical goals for the year. Um, but yeah, to, to sort out perhaps reducing alcohol as a goal and finding a way to commit to that, probably going to deliver more benefit than signing up to a gym <laughs> or, or maybe on par benefits um, overall for a year if you can actually achieve it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the role that alcohol and our use of alcohol plays in our overall health hasn't been prioritised and it, it's really interesting. Um, 
I, you know, I belong to a gym and there's a transformation challenge on at the moment. And of course, there's focus on exercise and nutrition, but the role that alcohol plays in that challenge hasn't really been, been given a priority. Yes, it's about reducing or drinking less, but it's more, that's more around the calorie intake, not yep. around the focus that, you know, alcohol impacts, um, our quality of sleep, it really impacts our REM sleep cycles. It impacts the dress and cortisol that we have in our body. Um, it can impact our immune system. It can impact our physical performance in exercise. So there are so many things that alcohol can impact in our overall health that not a lot of people are aware of. So it's really important to start to communicate that and generate more awareness around around that because I, I find that with a lot of my clients, what they notice within the first couple of months of having a break from alcohol is how much more productive, clear, balanced, and overall their moods, again, so much better. You know, I've had a lot of clients who have had anxiety for many, many years and what they've noticed is that when they reduce or stop their drinking, that their anxiety levels completely plummet. And so, you know, I think this is the thing. If you're doing something like FemFast, it's great because often you feel more part of a community because there might be other people in your circles who are also uh, doing it. And so you don't feel as alone and it does give you that structure to make a choice. And then there's just an opportunity to, you know, what personally, do you think you'll gain from having 30 days either away from drinking, being more mindful about your drinking? And what can you take from that 30 days? Or I guess in February, it's 20, so 29 days this year. Might be, might be an extra day this year. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. You know, what can I take from that that I can, I can bring into my life ongoing? And I think this is, you know, this, this is the thing. There are questions we can start to ask about our own drinking. You know, do I feel I'm becoming too dependent? Am I noticing that I've been drinking more? What does it feel like when I drink less? How's that impacting my sleep and my mood? And I also think that's also a really good thing to do if you're having a break from drinking. Just start to make a, a mental note of how you are sleeping and what your moods are feeling like and can you notice a change in that? Yeah, I love that. I love those questions for people um, and certainly some good, I guess, in self-inquiry through those questions. Another thing that I think on that one is sometimes when it comes to writing lists or documenting thoughts, people might start with a diary or something and then they don't really keep that habit of documenting their thoughts or taking mental notes properly. There's this um, thing on your, and not I, I like people to get away from their phones, but if we're wanting to digitize this a little bit, there is a new, there's a new feature on Apple, um, on iPhones, which is like a journal and it kind of pops up. And, um, there's also another thing that is asked you, can you rate your mood, like your feeling for the day from very unpleasant to, you know, feeling amazing. I've set that up on my phone so that every night at about seven o'clock, I just do it. There's a little check-in on it. It's kind of like, a like, I kind of just look at it as a mood uh, report for the day. But yeah, what I've noted on that is, yeah, the, the times that I have had uh, drinks through the festive period the next day and the day after that, 
is pretty much very unpleasant or unpleasant. Um, and I, there's a little note that says moody, <laughs> moody because of uh, <laughs> one or two days after alcohol, um, guilt, feeling guilty, you know, those types yeah. of things. And so maybe for, yeah, if people are wanting to document their thoughts, it might be a good approach for the FebFast. But I guess like all of these types of health challenges or health kicks, like you say, like the gym, 30 days gritting your teeth through it and then cracking a beer on the 1st of March is kind of defeating the purpose of these types of health challenge. I guess the big question is how do you, yeah, how do you take what you learnt from the, the month and sort of, um, yeah, make it a, make it an ongoing habit. One of the things, Catherine, that's pretty prolific at this time of year as well, and this is on more on the work front is maybe annual planning for the year, maybe things like kickoffs or, you know, teams getting together and sort of planning or getting excited by the year ahead from a work perspective. And, um, we recently as a team got together and did some planning, went to the Australian open and what was really great to see, um, just like in previous years, we would have had around, I reckon 70 to 80% of people, um, wanting to drink at those types of events. And I reckon it was more like 50, 50 this year. But yeah, what would you advise workplaces or employers to can to, to look after people at this? It's annoying this time of year, I find, because you've just had a festive season. You've had probably too much to drink, indulge, and then you're trying to get healthy. And then you have these events on that are kickoffs. Um, often there's booze involved. Yeah, how would you how would you advise employers? I guess facilitate more healthier living. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a great question and an area of passion for me. Um, changing workplace culture, particularly around the use of alcohol. And what I would say is I, I, I think there's a real opportunity now to look at the role that alcohol plays in workplace culture and how can you support your employees to be healthier, better versions of themselves. And one of the ways that you can do that is through educating them around alcohol and it's not about quitting drinking it's just you know supporting things like feb fast and dry july and having someone come in and, and do a seminar and explain a little bit more so that people can look at their behavior and make changes you know we really need some more education around it rather than just saying oh i'm going to stop drinking for 30 days because i know from personal experience that i had no issue with stopping drinking for 30 days I would just then go and binge drink again when I finished. And so it yep. didn't really set up behavioral change for me. I think the other thing that's really important for workplaces to start to think about is when we do have celebrations and events, how are we going to cater for people who might be choosing to have some time away from drinking and make sure that you do have some different types of alcohol free drinks and also that alcohol is not the hero of the celebration that you're not always going to pubs and wine tastings that you're starting to mix things up with you know different activities um, and there's also I think again letting your employees know well what the expectations are of um, the organization around drinking and, and behavior, because if you don't set those expectations, your employees really don't know what the standard or the benchmark is. 
And if they see their managers drinking a lot or encouraging a lot of drinking, then that behavior is enabled throughout that workplace culture. So it's really important to start to set some parameters around what that looks like, both with policy, your education, and starting to set up a culture. Um, a lot of my clients talk about being sober shamed or made to feel uncomfortable when they've decided to change or pull back on their drinking choices. And I think, again, there's a real stigma. And I know, you know, the drinking, the drinker version of me used to think that people who didn't drink were kind of boring or not that fun. And again, we really need to step away from, from that because what I see now is that when people drink way too much, they're the ones who are boring and not fun. They repeat themselves. They don't listen. They talk over people. So again, it's about, it's about reframing uh, and changing the way that we, we look and to be more inclusive in workplace. There are many more people who are now starting to either stop drinking. I know the figure was around 400,000 last year. Uh, mm. And all that that will be will be increasing. So there's larger numbers of people in our organisations and workplaces who are choosing not to really drink or have you know a very I guess prominent sort of relationship with alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely seeing that that trend um, in the younger generations of not um, not focusing on drinking. That's such a good thing. Um, Interesting, your you know, your clients mentioning being sober, shamed, or you know what you just said there of like, oh, they're bore, you know, the boring comment. I think yeah, like you've you've made a good point there, like doing the same same shit every weekend and waking up feeling like crap the next day. Oh, that's pretty boring. That's a pretty boring way of going about things, isn't it? And or you know, doing that and expecting a different outcome. Or, and when you sort of dig down into why people drink and you know, why they might feel like they're more outgoing on drinking themselves that, you know, I had some, actually, when I was away, someone said, you know, their, their personality is, is much better when they've got a few drinks into them. I feel like that's a pretty common sort of statement. And I, I'm assuming that comes from a place of people not thinking more about why they drink or maybe an insecurity or something around that. Yeah. Have you heard that a little bit as well? A I've lot. Of yeah. A lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a one. I mean, a lot of it is the stories that we tell ourselves, but also how yep. we yep. have learned to socialize. If you think about it, a lot of us have been socializing with alcohol since we were teenagers. We've not done a lot of socializing without alcohol. So of course, we're going to think that we need alcohol to have fun, to relax. And alcohol, the when we have our first drink, there is absolutely that artificial dopamine hit there is a relaxation that we get and we feel so that is you know that is true it's what happens afterwards you know it's what happens afterwards when the body is trying to go back into homeostasis and starts to then release a lot more stress into our system yeah it all starts in teenagers years for a lot of australian kids and from there we yeah we don't really know in in some ways a bit sad as i say this out loud but don't really know how to socialize without it on a on a saturday night and um so we're kind of something like a peb fast to sort of 
reset, reframe and reprogram our brains a little bit into how to do it. It's probably really only starts by making the decision to, to make a change for the positive. And then along the way, along the month of Feb, if, if you are doing, you're listening and you're doing this Feb fast or considering it, it's, um, it's making notes on how you feel along the way and being a bit more, I guess, objective with how you're feeling and making some self-inquiry along the way with those great questions that you had, Catherine. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. And I think the thing around social anxiety is that we all experience it when we go into situations to varying levels. And what I've noticed since I, you know, now always socialize without alcohol is that you do get used to it. It's about reprogramming yourself in many ways, because when you've been repeating a certain type of behavior and going into social situations with alcohol very regularly, that's just what you're used to. Um, and so really what I talk to clients about is we're really reprogramming a whole old, you know, a, we're, we're trying to replace an old program that we've had there for sometimes up to, you know, 30, 40 years with a new one. And that it will initially feel a little bit awkward, but I always now just make an intention of, okay, who do I really want to have a great conversation with when I go into this environment? And is there an opportunity for me to go and meet someone new or go up and talk to someone that I haven't met before? And I've often found in those conversations, although yes, sometimes it can feel a bit awkward when you go into them. People really love it when you approach them, um, say, hey, it'd be lovely to hear about you and what's going on in your life, um, yes. rather than always thinking about where we're going to be getting our next drink from. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. And that's, um, yeah, it's a really good point that I've definitely had the, been the person that's um, not drinking at a party and things like that. And it's, it's uh, yeah, quite, quite nice to just go in with a refreshed perspective and you can tell the person who is who's drinking and chatting with you they're like oh, this is probably the most refreshing like interesting conversation I've had all, all rather than it just being all rah-rah and like not much not much uh, substance to the to the discussion <laughs> <laughs> yes well I in fact I went to a 50th towards the end of the year I think it might have been in November and yep. um, I think I was probably one of the only people there who wasn't drinking and I, look, I will leave functions when I'm ready to, but I stayed at this function until 2am. I was one of the last 10 people there. And mm -hmm. a couple of the other people said to me, oh my gosh, how have you lasted here without drinking? And I was like, what do you mean? I've got so much energy. I feel great. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can drive you home and you know, <laughs> I, I've probably got more, more energy than you oh, guys yeah. have. Because the alcohol is now kicking in and starting to, you know, make you feel a bit, a bit slow and a bit tough. <laughs> a bit yeah, tough. yeah, absolutely. Be the most hydrated person in the, in the party. That's, uh, that's great. Hey, Catherine, thanks so much for your time. We've really covered some great, uh, great stuff here for people that are considering Bedfast or any other month of the year where they might consider just having a little break from alcohol and make sure that you um, have a listen or have a, have a think about some of those questions or self-inquiry um, if you are considering doing an alcohol-free month or Feb fast. Um, but Catherine, thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it as well. Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. 
If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com.au where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.